This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potawitch to the north, Jawajali to the east, Bowendik to the south and Mitung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm your host, Meg Bell, and joining us today is Danielle Lannan England, Lead Consultant at Ag Innovate and WA's AgriFutures Rural Woman of the Year in 2013. Welcome, Danny, and thanks so much for being here with us today. Today, we're discussing complex farms and complex decisions. First of all, Danny, tell us a bit about your work as the Lead Consultant at Ag Innovate. Yeah, thanks a lot, Meg. For the last 20 years, I've been working with farming businesses and industries across Australia, developing capacity in its people. And today, being November 2023, most of my work is actually with individual farm businesses, developing people strategies. So looking at HR, capacity building within teams and management. So it's a big variation of work you do, Danny. So you, I guess you, you recently posted on, on LinkedIn that as farmers, there's no simple solution and we all run complex systems and everything's interrelated. So tell us a bit more about that and how do you work with farmers to kind of work through all those complex decisions? I have been working in the decision-making in agriculture space since about 2013-14 and it comes out of the Grain and Graze 3 work that was funded by GRDC back then. We predominantly started looking at risk and uncertainty and the difference between both of those and then what influences farmers' decision makings around risk. And at that stage, even in the global broader psychology business fields, Decision-making was such a new field, whereas now, 10 years later, we've learned so much globally around decisions and complex decisions and complex environments. So one of my favourite quotes of all times is from Dr. Carl. Now, Dr. Carl Krasinski, when he was talking about farming, said, it's not a bunch of bare-chilled chested hillbillies making moonshine and sticking seeds in the ground every now and then. Agriculture is a range of complex systems so there's a huge amount of knowledge and so many interactive fields you have to bring together. So I figure that if Dr Carl thinks agriculture is complex then it sure as hell is complex. And one of the things I think as farmers that we underestimate is the complexity of this system. And we know this, Meg, because we work with researchers inside CSIRO and universities who have got, back in my day, would have been huge A-frame computers trying to look at the decisions that farmers will make that they make intuitively. And we'll get into that in a minute. So we know we've got to look at the interaction of the soils. We've got to look at the interaction of the plant. We've got to have a look at the interaction of the rainfall, of the soil moisture, of the animals that go on top of it. Uh, we've got to over, overlay that with finance and people availability and machinery capacity. And we managed to do that all in our head. So we've built that knowledge up of our system and our farm over time, you know, probably over 20 or 30 or 40 years. And we see that 
immediately when we bring new, well, I, you know, bringing new people in on farm or new kids. And it takes them a good 10 seasons to work out what's going on, what are the key focus areas for them. So that's the work I do in this in this space and have been doing for about 10 years. And I get a little bit nerdy with it, so you'll have to excuse me. I wanted to talk with you today because I think November 2023 is or even October 2023, is throwing up some really great challenges for us as farmers and throwing up some really, really complex decisions that we've got to make. So tell us a bit about those complex decisions, Danny. What What's on the cards at the moment that people need to be thinking about? And, you know, <laughs> there's probably not just one or two, is there? No, there's absolutely not. And I guess that's what my LinkedIn post was about, was that, as agricultural scientists and researchers, we're really good at siloing these decisions and thinking that as farmers, we just make one decision in one area. So at the minute, we've got a very quick cutoff to the season. Thankfully, we had an absolutely brilliant start that gave us pasture and soil moisture. We then had a wet winter, which meant that we couldn't get on to a lot of places. Um, and Western Victoria was the same. I'm sorry, I should precede that and let the people know that if you don't know who I am and where I fit, we also farm at Kalara between Kingston and Lucendale. We're living, breathing this along with everyone else at this stage. So we started with a really good start. We had a wet winter. Things have dried off really suddenly. And, you know, the weather predictions going into El Nino, which means we're not sure of what the next... 12 months, two years might be looking like in terms of that rainfall pattern. And the scientists have given us some really, really good science around that. And we trust that science now as farmers. So that's one change in October, November that we're looking at. So that's drought, if you want to call it, but I probably wouldn't call it that. I'd just call it climate change in the new norm. The next thing that we're having to deal with is the loss of a couple of key markets. And I don't just mean China or Europe or America. I actually mean lightweight lamb is worth zero. Cast for age use are worth zero. So we've actually seen ramifications for this flowing since probably about August. We're not seeing confidence in the first cross U market breeding first cross use which for our region has a big impact so that's impacted on the ram sales and we're also it's potentially third week of november now settled out a bit but go back four weeks ago when we were in the flush of spring lamb sales particularly through the mid north air peninsula mallee where we were seeing catastrophic prices for lambs store lambs and cast for age use. Now, those prices are still there, but thankfully what has happened is that those finished heavyweight lamb prices have now stabilised. So we're feeling some confidence in that market, which is excellent. And probably the same in the beef. While we've seen a big price drop in beef prices, at least they've stabilised, which six weeks ago they weren't even stable. So six weeks ago, we were looking down the barrel of drying off. We trusted the science in the Bureau of Met and the climatologists who told us it was drying off. 
We wanted to make decisions, stopping decisions at that point, but we didn't have market confidence in it, which we haven't had for 10 or 15 years. We've had market confidence, okay? So this market, lack of market confidence is new to us as farm managers. It's not in our recent memory. So that impacts, and we'll get into that in a minute, on what's going on. So on top of that, we're now also as farmers making decisions for the 2024 season. Okay, so we can't just say, oh, look, just plan as normal because she'll be right. Well, I'm not sure she'll be right is what I want to take into my family farm business that impacts not only my income for 2024, but 2025 and 2026. So we are playing the long game here and we actually need to be really conscious of what's going on, not only in the markets, but what the future markets are looking like for us. We're living and breathing this complex industry and farm business that we call agriculture, Meg. It all sounds a bit daunting, Danny, doesn't it? And we, we all know that there have been people out there this season who have really been caught out or who have been in the wrong area and who have missed rainfall or whose seasons, you know, have not worked out as they thought they were going to. So how do they deal with that? What, you know, what can they do to kind of maybe get themselves back up and about or to make some decisions that are going to set them up really well? you know, for the next six months to 12 months to three to five years? Okay. Well, let's have a look at, a, you know, a good decision versus a right decision. If we've already made a decision and we sold livestock or we've decided to keep livestock and feed them through, we've made that decision. So we've assessed current prices. We've assessed the amount of supplementary feed we've got on farm, We've assessed ground cover. We've assessed if we've got the staff. We've assessed if we've got the paddock cover to keep those. So we have to have confidence in that decision because none of us have got a crystal ball and know the future, okay? So we have to, and I want to give people permission to go, I've made that decision. That's okay with me. The tricky bit is for those people who are still making that decision, okay? So what do we do go forwards? knowing that we need to take our lamb through to heavyweight lamb, knowing that we need to keep our cast for ages at least until after Christmas and maybe there will be some extra money or a market there. And even the stockies don't know that, okay? So this is an industry-wide decision that, you know, they're trying to provide their best knowledge and experience into the market and they're doing what they can to, to assist farmers so they're one of the advisors that we are certainly using so that's a good decision is an informed decision so a good decision is an informed decision so you've actually had a look at all the information you need to know you can never possibly know how it's going to turn out we don't have a crystal ball but you've done the best you possibly can at this point in time the thing is, we won't know if it's a right decision until after the event. And if it turns out to be the wrong decision, well, just put it down to learning. You know, you made the best decision that you could at that point in time with the information you had. And that's all you can do at this point in time. 
So what I want to do, Meg, is actually talk you through what, for a good decision as well, as well as knowing all the information, we really have to make sure that our head, our heart and our gut align. So what does that mean when I say our head, our heart and our gut must align? So our head is the logical decision. It's the bit that gets out the pen and paper or the Excel spreadsheet and puts numbers next to everything and says, yes, this all logically makes sense. Financially, it stacks up or yes, I've got enough feed or enough paddocks. What are those sorts of logical decisions that need to be made? And as researchers and advisors, we're all tertiary tertiary educated and we're all educated to provide advice to growers around that head or the logical decision. Sometimes we'll often ignore the heart or the gut. So the heart part of the decision is around our values. So what do we actually value in our farming business? For some people, it will be around health of stock or making sure that the stock are in fact good condition. So for them, the decision to sell early for a lower price will mean that they're actually meeting their values because that's what they see as the right thing to do. For other people, it will be around protecting ground cover. So we'll sell early and take the lower prices knowing that I'm protecting my soil and the biodiversity around it and that's okay. For other people, it'll be a mix of something else. So what happens on one farm might be completely different to something that happens on another farm and that's absolutely fine. What I want to talk about today, though, is the gut. The gut is our intuition. So our intuition is formed over the last three seasons. And that's really, really important. If we think that a good decision is when the head, the heart and the gut align, at the minute, we don't have that across a lot of businesses in the southeast and Western Victoria because our gut doesn't feel right. And the reason our gut doesn't feel right is that that intuition part of the decision-making process is not aligned with our experiences. So our experience, we've got no way of experiencing this in the past three to five years. Okay, we haven't experienced these prices. We've experienced these seasons, for sure. We're really good with the seasons. But we've been able to offload stock at pretty reasonable prices. So those of us with a bit more cropping area, that's probably the decisions taken out of it because we've got stubble to turn them onto. So that takes some of that. We know that if we don't have the pasture, we can turn them onto stubble. So we've still got area and places they manage. But if we're running 100% or probably anything above 70% livestock, we actually have really big decisions that we have to make around the number of stock we hold. It has severe impacts on our cash flow. And everyone knows that at this time of the year, you know, before the truckloads of lamb start going off, before the, the grain harvest comes in, we're in peak overdraft. So our cash flow is at a critical point, which adds stress into the occasion anyway. So we, we're sitting here amongst all of this. Now, one of the things I would normally tell you in about February is don't make these really big decisions during times of stress. But guess what? Too bad in November 2023, we're in stress anyway. And that's just a normal seasonal thing. That's 
probably not even counting that they shut off to the season like everyone else is worried about is probably more market and then decision making going into 2024 because we need to make mating decisions now and we don't have that experience to form that intuition you know until we've lived through it so this is where it's really important that we start to put some structure around our decision making okay unless we go back into the 1980s we're not going to have that experience late 80s early 90s Okay, now for most of us, I was probably about six. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't lived that and I'm one of the old farts in the industry. <laughs> you know, so if you're coming in and you're younger than 50, you sure as hell haven't even done that. And all we do is we remember mum and dad shooting sheep, which is why we're talking about shooting sheep. Okay, we're not at that stage, please please talk with someone before we start that because we're just waiting for this market to even out to give us confidence around what we do going forward okay so it is around that intuition and the fact we don't have it have it so happy for me to go on to about round structured decision making to give yeah, us a little bit of confidence yeah that was going to be my next question because okay if you if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh gosh yeah there are lots of things to think about and you know i i think i'm okay at making a decision but you know you're right i don't have that much experience based on the past three to five years so how do we actually do that what are what are the things we can use to help us yeah, so look, what I do the, is really make sure you've got the problem correctly identified. So sit down, brainstorm all the issues, chat with your business partners, life partners, team members about what's going to happen and some of the strategies that we've put in place, neighbours, and then start to develop up a plan for that to happen. Now, my advice to anybody would be don't change too much of your system. And don't change it by more than 30% because once we get outside of 30%, you're really looking at way too much change and your brain can't handle it, okay? So that's a bit of a, a farmer view of, of change. Follow your rules. Follow your farming production rules. And especially if you're in meat, keep sticking with meat. If you're in wool, Good news, hasn't happened for 20 years, but we've actually got choices in wool about what we do and where we go. That's a bit exciting, isn't it? Isn't it good? <laughs> but I want to chat with you about story storytelling. Storytelling is one of the best decision-making tools that you have got. And the reason that we like it for decision-making is that as we've grown up through the years, the way we've been taught to make decisions is through talking our brain actually processes a lot information a lot better if we talk about it okay because it starts to then fire off the different neurons to get the different pathways happening so for us it's really important that we start to talk with people that's why I said talk with your business partners, talk with your advisors, talk with your stock agent, talk with your hay agent. Start to talk about what are some of the options you've got going forward for your particularly sheep business 
and what that might look like going into 2024. I'm going to send through some information for you to put in the show notes, Meg. Great. Um, and it'll just be a downloadable for people that'll have all this information and some questions to ask yourself. But I've also got there a hand. I want you to identify five people that you could talk with about this, whether it's your bank manager, your stock agent, your lawyer, your accountant, your neighbour, your farm business advisor, rural business support. There are just so, so many people out there, fab mentors as well. Just to get some clarity in your brain so you've got a plan heading into 2024 and what your business is going to look like. The importance of storytelling in these situations and being able to sit and talk with people is absolutely critical. The reason that often advisors like you and I will say, talk to your advisor is for that storytelling reason. Okay, but we've also heard the stories of other businesses going through the same things. For us, we can bring experiences not just from your business, but from 20 or 30 other businesses who are going through the same thing. So it's important to think you're not the only one, that peak debt is normal, that we've got absolute, this reminds us, we've got absolutely no control over markets, we've got no control over rainfall, but do you know what? We know our farm. We can put all those interacting complex bits and pieces together in our head, which Dr. Carl thinks is pretty amazing. And we actually can probably picture through for two or three seasons what our decisions are going to be looking like. So even if it turns out that our decision wasn't the right one, it was a good one at the time. Yeah. All right. So make sure your head, your heart and your gut align and just reach out to those five people that you trust. Danny, would you be comfortable giving us an example of some of the decisions that your clients might be making at the moment? So any changes that they might be making in their business? And you you mentioned that that bit around, you know, making a change or making a decision, but not making an enormous um, swap in, you know, industry or output or, you know, that 30% change. Um, With grains and livestock, stick with grains and livestock. There's been some great work out of the West Australian Department of Ag in the last two weeks uh, showing that for every, about every 20% drop in Uh, livestock prices, they are expecting or anticipating a 10% increase in cropping area. So you might, if you're a mixed farmer, you're still going to stick with mixed farming, but you might be upping the crop area and downing the number of sheep that you've got. If you're a prime lamb producer, you will be sticking with prime lamb 110%. You won't be changing anything at all because Uh, Other research shows that by chopping and changing and chasing rainbows, you're actually going to be losing more money than you are saving money. So stick with your knitting. And for those people who do it well, yeah, sure, you're getting a lower price by a long shot, but you're getting a lower price, but you're still turning out a good product that is being rewarded in the market. That's where you need to keep your focus on. So when I talk about not changing more than 30%, don't up your cropping area by more than 30%. 
don't drop your sheet numbers by more than 30% because what we find is, A, we don't have the – normally we don't have the machinery to get over more than 30% extra without big machinery investment and it all – yeah, which timeliness of cropping is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. So they're probably the rules and if we're going into wool, well, let's just make sure that we are producing wool and that we're doing everything we can to to optimise and maximise wool production and wool value as we go through. So, Danny, do you think there's still room there for people who are maybe thinking that they've got some room to move in their productivity? So, you know, maybe there's a decision around, actually, yeah, I think I could you know, target a higher survival rate in my lambs or, you know, and these are the things that I might do to put to get that in place. Absolutely, Meg. So optimising productivity is still yeah. going to be there. I wouldn't have it as the number one driver just for the next 12 months, two years. We need to make sure that we've, you know, maintained our condition scores of those ewes going into mating next year, even if we are mating less ewes than what we are now what we've got now if we're upping production please make sure it doesn't come with added cost at just for the next 12 months while things settle out once things have settled out then we can have another look so know your cost of production know what where your key profit drivers are and production is usually one of those yeah yeah The other part too that that people can get a little bit trapped with, Danny, is that no decision is still a decision and that, you know, prevaricating for a long time, hoping that something is going to change, that's still, you know, yourself making a, a, a certain decision. So how can we how can we kind of school ourselves or how can we avoid getting into that trap of kind of being you know, pushed into a corner and being forced to make a decision that maybe isn't the best one? No decision, absolutely, is still a decision, Meg. So thank you very much. And look, if we think about cast rage use at the minute, where, well, we've made a decision not to sell, to reassess the market after Christmas, and that's based on some really good advice, advice, and that's not just the England family, that's predominantly anyone that's running or has got used to sell right across Australia. So that's still a decision. When we get to January, February, the impacts of that decision will be there. We've still got feed availability at the minute. When we get to January, February, we will need to make a decision around do we keep those ewes to remate? Do we keep those ewes for wool? Or do we take whatever price it is at the time? And they're probably the three key decisions that you will need to make. Now, for some people, I've got stubbles, particularly if I'm in the peninsula. I've got stubbles. I've got land. That's no worries at all. For us in the southeast and western Victoria with self-replacing flocks, that's not as easy because we rely on those, those stock to go so we can bring the next young ones in. So that's a completely different decision then, which is why it's important to remember start to ask yourself about what's the decision that needs to make 
be made? What are the interrelating factors? Because as you talked about productivity before, if we're feeding old ewes or cast for age ewes, that food is particularly coming out of the mouths of the young ones, which are the productivity going forwards. Mm. So we need to start to think about maintaining productivity so we can maintain cash flow through the business and then having it and starting to make those decisions. So use all those tools, use your brainstorming, talk to your advisors, collect all the information you can. You won't ever know everything there is to know about that decision, but you're going to give it a bloody good shot, a red-hot go, and make sure your head, your heart, and your gut align. And if you need to go and talk with your grandfather about it, Go and talk with your grandfather about it or the old dude down the road that you get on well with. Who remembers the 1980s and 1990s? Because, uh, yeah, they're the last time we've seen conditions like this. Yeah. Where can people go, Danny, for a bit more information or tools? They might have listened to this podcast and thought, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really, I'm feeling the pressure. I need to either go and talk to somebody or I need some kind of tool or a refresher or um, a way to kind of step out my decision-making thinking. Yeah, so look, Meg, I am about to, as I said, there'll be some information and tools come through for you at the bottom of this podcast. I'm going to send through the link to the GRDC Farm Decision-Making Booklet that gives you some great tools and resources in there. I might be biased because I'm one of the editors, but that's okay too. And look, seriously, just reach out to anyone, any of your trusted advisors around the place to help you work through some of those decisions because that's probably the best thing you can do is use that storytelling or talking with somebody about it. And it's not talking about it in a, you know, I've got to get my head right Um I'm struggling psychologically here. It's just around how complex this decision is and how big your farm is and how many factors interrelate here that it is humanly impossible to logically think through this. We just can't do it. Our brain's good, but it's not that good. Yeah. So, Danny, you're going to have a fairly busy few months coming up with helping people through all, all of these decisions as, as the season progresses. What else is next for you? What, what's on the agenda? Oh, Meg, I'm really excited about 2024. Watch this space and join me in Ag Innovate. I think it's the start of a new way of managing people on farms, and I can't wait. Very good. That sounds very exciting. Thanks, Danny, so much for sharing all of your insights with us today. And hopefully we've provoked a bit of thought amongst our listeners and made them feel a little bit less alone and a, a bit more equipped to be making good decisions with the conditions that they're facing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Meg. And it's not about being alone. It's probably more about not the only one in this situation or in this bucket that yeah, we're in at the sure. minute. For sure. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a McKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at McKillop Group or check out our website at www.mckillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time.